Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, this is Zivi Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And speaking of books, I have two of my own books coming out this spring and summer. Princess Charming is a picture book, which debuts on April 19th, and Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature comes out on July 1st, and it is truly a labor of love. I hope you'll pre-order, order, and join me on tour as I go across the country. You can find out more at zibbyowens.com or bookendsmemoir.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens because I always post about everything. Enjoy the show. Rabbi Steve Letter is the author of For You When I Am Gone, 12 Essential Questions to Tell a Life Story. This is his second time on Moms No Time to Read Books, and I am so happy to have him back. He is the senior rabbi of Wilshire Boulevard Temple in Los Angeles. After receiving his degree in writing and graduating cum laude from Northwestern University and spending time studying at Trinity College, Oxford University, Rabbi Letter received a master's degree in Hebrew letters in 1986 and rabbinical ordination in 1987 from Hebrew Union College. He is the author of five books, The Extraordinary Nature of Ordinary Things, More Money Than God, Living a Rich Life Without Losing Your Soul, and the bestsellers More Beautiful Than Before, How Suffering Transforms Us, and The Beauty of What Remains. He was on last time for The Beauty of What Remains, which was absolutely beautiful. And I loved it. And I have to just give him a little shout out because in addition to being the senior rabbi of a massive, very highly esteemed temple 
in LA, he took time out of his day to come to Diesel Bookstore where I was doing a little signing for Princess Charming to come meet me. And that was basically the sweetest thing ever. So I am just, uh, he's a great, great guy. Enjoy our talk. All right. Hi, Rabbi Steve. Thanks for coming back on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Last time you were here for The Beauty of What Remains, and now you are here for for You and I Am Gone, 12 Essential Questions to Tell a Life Story. So welcome back. Thank you so much, Sibby. I love talking with you. Oh, thank you. This book was really close to my heart because I have thought a lot about what you call an ethical will. I basically wrote an essay to my kids on Mother's Day as if I had passed away already and what I would want them to remember that day. And obviously yours and the whole concept of it is way bigger than that and has roots in in religion and tradition and all of that. But I think about doing a project like this often. So why don't you talk about the power of this project, the the prompts, how you came to the prompts. It said you said it only took you 15 minutes and like 30 years or something like that, which was right. Funny. Exactly. I know you're you have a journal companion here. Talk about the whole project and and how to inspire people to stop what they're doing in everyday life to to do something like this for when they are gone. Okay. First of all, I read your Mother's Day piece. I thought it was very moving. Oh, and, thank you. And I really hope inspires all of everyone listening to do the same. Look, here is what I've learned after 35 years of gathering with families to talk about a loved one who's died and what I've learned about how much that experience can teach us about our own lives. I've been gathering together with people to try to get my arms around their loved one's story in order to prepare for the funeral, prepare them and prepare myself to create the eulogy. And what I've learned is that a person's story has almost nothing to do with the facts of his or her life. You know, obituaries tell you the facts of a person's life. I'm interested in the truth of our lives. You know, the fact that I was, you know, in elementary school at Aquila Elementary School in St. Louis Park, Minnesota, it doesn't tell you anything about me, not very much. So I devised a series of 12 questions over many years, in a very particular order, by the way, Okay. to help unfold the truth of a person's life. Now, this is important for two reasons. Yes, it is vitally important for our loved ones when we're gone to know our story, to have our guidance, our wisdom, our blessings, our, our life lessons, our legacy, because that's really what they're going to cherish. You know, it's an irony that we spend so much time in our lives working and working and working to make money, to buy things and things and more things. And we work out a very elaborate estate plan. We spend a lot of time and money thinking about who's going to get what and when. And what I've learned is none of that really matters to our loved ones when we're gone nearly as much as our legacy and our words. There's a very interesting psycholinguistic point I want to make, which is that the Hebrew word for word and the Hebrew word for thing are the same word. You cannot differentiate between the two. So in other words, from a psycholinguistic point, words are real. Words are tangible. Words create and destroy. They build and tear down. They hurt. They heal. Words are our most powerful legacy. You know, thinking all that stuff is going to mean something to our loved ones when we're gone. 
I say it's like trying to give them a picture of food. Mm-hmm. It's really not going to nourish them. Our words will nourish them. So this is number one, a plea and a guide for everyone to ask the right questions and answer those questions for ourselves so that we can really bequeath something beautiful and lasting to our loved ones when we're gone. But that's only half the purpose. The other purpose is that when you ask these questions and answer them for yourself honestly, vulnerably, transparently, it's an opportunity for you to hold your life up to the light like an MRI and ask yourself, am I actually living my truth? Mm-hmm. Or am I just talking about it? You know, it is my life kabuki or real? Mm. And this exercise is such a powerful tool. And I see it honestly as part of this great reevaluation that's going on in America right now, which is mostly very positive. In this post pandemic world, a lot of us are asking ourselves what really matters to me? What really makes me happy? Where have I gone off the path? Where am I not aligned with my truth? And this book is a powerful North Star for all of us. Now, these questions you asked about, I joked in the introduction, my editor asked me, you know, how did you come up with these questions in this order? They just, they just unfold a person's life. And I answered 35 years and 15 minutes. Because these are the questions, as I said, I ask families to help me get to the truth of a person's life. And everyone's life is amazing. Everyone's. If you ask the right questions. So that's sort of the the backdrop of the book. And I really thought about it because in The Beauty of What Remains, I had maybe two paragraphs on this idea of an ethical will. But that's what every talk show host and podcaster and journalist and radio, that's what they wanted to talk about was Mm -hmm. these two paragraphs, because most people have never heard of this concept. You know what what you should do (laughs) in your spare time? Tell me, please. (laughs) Is you should train people to ask these questions and then book sessions where they come to people's houses or they do Zooms and help people through. Because I... Like, I want to do this, but telling myself, well, I need like accountability to do everything. So I feel like if, if I booked a session with a person, they like, mm-hmm. <laughs> then, yeah, I, would, it would then I would do it's it. Like, and you could like yeah, produce like the these... trainer showing up at your door. Right. Yeah. You need like a life letter trainer or something. Yeah. Well, I, I've been leading ethical will writing workshops all over the country for 15 years. I know, but you can't, and, you can't, like, you have to scale it. You Like, everybody should do it. Like, there should be, you know? <laughs> well, my point is, same as yours, really, when I was talking to the publisher about this book, I said, you know, we could do a lot worse than start a movement in this country of people creating an ethical will for their loved ones, for themselves while they're living and for their loved ones while they're, you know, when they're gone. And we all just kind of nodded our heads as in, Yes. In other words, it'd be, you're spot on. You are. Now, what will evolve from this? I, I don't know. I'm very hopeful that we will start this movement because I know what it meant to me to write mine for, for my children yep. without even knowing for certain. I'm pretty sure I know what it meant to you to write that letter that you wrote on Mother's Day. That is a very powerful experience for everyone. And, and so, yes, you're right. Let's scale it up. 
Yeah. I mean, not to say that publishing a book is not scaling it. It is. You're at, <laughs> like, yeah. I guess that's Let's basically what I mean. But I just mean like, anyway, never mind. It was a, a silly point, but. <laughs> I know. We can't help ourselves. I know. I know. I can't help myself. I really can't. I'm the same. Yeah. I'm the same. We're entrepreneurs. <laughs> we are. In, in the book, you know, you have this very, really emotional visual when you talk about your dad's clothes sort of in a pile in the basement and how even the thrift shop didn't really want the clothes and and not, nobody wanted to take those away. And I've had similar moments in my life going through loved ones' possessions and you realize like, well, you know, is it just a, is it just a necklace? Like, I don't even remember her wearing this one. So I'll take the one that I remember seeing her in, but then otherwise it's just a necklace. Like it doesn't really matter. And it quickly becomes clear that that it doesn't really matter what a person has. In fact, I feel like since having to pack up a dear friend's belongings at age 25, whenever I buy anything, I think like, oh gosh, like someone's gonna have to pack this up later. <laughs> it's And it's so easy to lose our way because our the ethos in our culture is buy, 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 buy. And it gets easier and easier to accumulate. And uh, in the previous book, there's a chapter called Nobody Wants Your Crap. And the double entendre is intended. It's intended. But yes, one of the saddest, still hard, you know, (laughs) one of the saddest parts of my father's death was walking downstairs into the basement of their townhouse and seeing his stuff just in a heap on the basement floor and nobody, nobody wants it. And you know, what do I have for my dad? I'll show you one thing. This is uh, an old metal measuring stick. And it reminds me of working with my dad on Saturdays when I was a kid fixing stuff. And, and it reminds me of, of what a straight shooter he was you know, just what a honest, transparent guy he was. And this is what I have. You know what this is worth in monetary terms? Nothing. But it means the world to me. Because this represents moments and time, which is really what's precious. You know, I have a friend who's a firefighter. It's like the one Jewish firefighter I know. Actually, I know two. Anyway, <laughs> he, he, there aren't a lot of us. <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> He's a member of my congregation. And I asked him one time, his name is Paul. I said, Paul, when people, real, when their house is on fire for real and they have to make a run for it, what do people actually grab? I mean, what really matters when you've got seconds? And he said, it's always the same thing. People, pets, and pictures. Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting type of essentialism when you think about it. It's people, pets, and the, the images that represent moments in our lives. The rest, it's just stuff. Yep, so true. And, but we don't always live that way. So this book is, is a, in a way, a, an exercise for all of us to help us be better aligned with what we really know is meaningful in life. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I liked in this book, I feel like each time I'm reading your stuff, you're revealing little by little more stuff about like your marriage and your life and not that I'm being like creepy, but I'm just like learning more about you as you go. I love the story of you just knowing that your wife was, it was meant to be. And then you kind of loosely talk about your medical issues and, you know, you kind of, so tell me, um, tell me about that. How does she, like, (laughs) what are the rules? You have rules? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's such a good question. <laughs> well, the you know the first question in the book is what is your what is your greatest regret? Because uh, obviously, regrets require for us to talk about regrets. It requires vulnerability, and it cracks us open in a way that makes answering the other questions more real. So, and it's also our great teacher. So, regret was my great teacher when it comes to writing about my family. Because when I was a younger writer, and my first second books first and second books came out, I got some pushback from my family. They were upset with me. And I learned that before I write about my wife, Betsy, or my kids, Aaron and Hannah, or my mother, or my siblings, I need some. I need permission and guidelines. <laughs> I learned it the hard way. But on the other side of that coin is, if I am unwilling as a writer to reveal my own truths, then why should you trust me as a reader? Why should you believe I know anything about life if I can't examine my own? And and really, that's all I know. I think that's all any of us know, is, is hopefully at least a little bit about our own experience. And, and you know, here's, here, you're such a thinker and, and believer in writing. And the power of the word. So let me share a sort of, it's very interesting. Um, the first book I ever wrote is being reissued today, along with this new book. And uh, it's called The Extraordinary Nature of Ordinary Things. So it's my first book. It's kind of like early Steve Leader. And this new book is the most recent snapshot. And when I was asked to write the new afterward for this old book, I had to think about, well, how, how are they the same? How are they different? And and to kind of try to understand my own philosophy of writing. And I here's what I think it is. I think that the particular is ultimately the only thing that reveals the universal. Mm-hmm. Blake said, you know, you can see the ocean in a drop of water. The ocean is too immense. It's like, to me, it's I live in California. To me, I've never embrace the ocean. It's like the tundra to me. It just (laughs) doesn't mean anything. 
you give me a, a trickling river or, or a brook, a babbling brook, you know, or or a calm, pristine, mirror-like lake. Now, now I'm seeing something. So it's almost like physics, you know, they keep discovering new tinier particles. It used to be the Z particle, a quark, a Z particle. I think there's a new one now. But what are you doing when you examine, discover the tiniest particle? You are also examining the thing that is most common to all matter. It's both. It's so particular and yet entirely universal. And, and that's how I feel about writing about my life. If you can really get to the deepest subterranean truth of the emotion of what it felt like when Betsy walked in that room, then you have some grasp of love. And so that's how I think about my writing and my, and talking about my life, including the difficult parts of my life, my, you know, brief but painful addiction to opioids after spinal surgery, my underlying anxiety disorder, which came out of the basement of my psyche during the pandemic, my wife's two battles with cancer, you know, and what it means, what, what is intimacy really? You know, the most intimate, intimate moment I ever, ever shared with Betsy, maybe will ever share with Betsy, was emptying her drains for her after her double mastectomy. That's love. That's intimate. And that's the stuff and the muck of life and love and death. And these are the things that interest me. And I have to start from where is all of this in me before I can evoke anything in you. And it, it's, uh, it's unusual for uh, someone in my position to, to approach things that way. But I just don't know another way. Well, I, I think it's essential for someone in your position to approach things this way. You, you have to, to connect with somebody else. You have to be open. How can, otherwise, it's like, it's like you're not letting the teeth of the zipper connect. You know what I mean? It's like. Yes, like, yes. Otherwise, it's just one-sided. There's, there won't be a real link if. Half of you I, is not coming forward anyway. I think I think that's that's right. And that's why I said 35 years and 15 minutes. Yeah. Because it's that. A friend of mine described my job this way. He said, you have a front row seat to life, which is true, but it's still vicarious. Mm-hmm. And what I'm interested in is finding the real common denominators for all of us that unites us. And I can only do that if I move beyond what's vicarious from the front row and into my own reality in my own life. And it seems to be working. I mean, <laughs> I, people, you know. I mean, I, You're doing I okay. Know. I mean, yeah, you I think know, the might trick, as well though, stick with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the trick, though, Zibby, is for it never to become like your shtick. Or to become gratuitous or a device. You know, it has to be real. It can't, you cannot get up there and kind of pretend bleed in front of people all day long because they, they know it's, it's phony. It's like actors who can cry on cue. It's, it's bullshit. Yeah. You don't want to be exploitative with your life and emotion. 
or anyone else's or anyone. Right. Very true. Yeah. Who do you think needs this book the most? Like in your congregation, people who walk in and out, like, is there, is there a certain type of person who is like, you're like, they probably, maybe that, maybe it's the one who doesn't want to get it, but I don't know who, what, what's your answer to that? I, I'm going to, I'm going to give you two answers. Okay. All right. All right. I'll take them. Oh, okay. One is there's a moment I I believe that there's a moment for each of us when we realize in a very visceral way. And I can tell you when it happened to me that we're going to die. We spend a lot of time, rightfully so, denying that reality because we wouldn't be able to be ambitious without it. You know, without that denial, we have to deny death and and shove it down into the basement or we wouldn't get anything accomplished. What would be the point really, right? But there's a point at which, you know, most people think of evolution as a constantly ascending line, but that's not what biologists believe. They believe in something now called punctuated equilibrium. In other words, we plateau and then something happens that punctuates the equilibrium and it shoots us up to the next level from an evolutionary perspective. Like the ice age destroyed the dinosaurs and created a different life on the planet, right? There's a punctuation or something disruptive of the equilibrium. Well, there's a point in everyone's life when death disrupts their equilibrium. For me, so my father and I look almost identical. If you saw a picture of him at 10, a picture of me at 10, you wouldn't know the difference. Now, keep in mind, I had stood next to more than a thousand dead bodies and families looking at that dead body before it was my turn. A thousand or more, and to be honest with you, I, I could have been eating a sandwich. It's like I was there to support them, but I wasn't feeling it. And then we were in the little room off the side of the, the chapel before my dad's funeral. And the, the young rabbi walked in to escort I have a big family to bring us out to look at my dad's body in the casket before it was closed for the service. And I remember thinking to myself, I, am, I know exactly how that rabbi feels right now, but I have no idea how I feel. Mm. And then we walked out there and I approached my father's body in that casket. And I looked down and I thought to myself, hmm, that's exactly how I'm going to look when I'm dead. And my son is bending over my casket. I am going to die. I was 55 years old and I had officiated at more than a thousand funerals. And that moment was the moment that punctuated the equilibrium that moved me from Steve Leader, the rabbi, to Steve Leader, the son, the husband, the father, the brother, the uncle. And I realized, really, really understood, I am going to die. This book is for everyone who has reached that point in life for two reasons, as I said before. One, how do you want to live? How do you really want to live the rest of your life? Out of alignment? Or or do you want to live your truth? And how do you want to hold and care for the people you love when you're gone? So it's for all of us. And by the way, I know five-year-olds who have reached that point. Mm-hmm. And I know 70-year-olds who have not. Yep. Right. I remember when I lived in Israel, I went to hear a lecture by a rabbi who was the youngest child to survive Auschwitz. And the first thing he said, he got up there and the first thing he said was, there were no children in Auschwitz. Mm -hmm. The moment you walk through that gate, you became an adult. 
Why? Because that's when those children realized, I- I'm, I'm going to die, and it could be soon. I'm at risk. My parents are going to die. So now, this can be a very depressing thought, or, <laughs> and this is the point of the book, a very powerful and ennobling thought. I'm going to die. Now what? What am I going to do with this precious, precious gift that I have? And what of this precious gift called my life and my time here on earth am I going to bestow upon the people I love? So it's for all of us who have realized and had our equilibrium punctuated, shall we say. And the other group, and this is counterintuitive, it's for young people who are trying to figure out their lives. I have a 30 and 33-year-old. They are trying so hard to figure it out. Do I want to be more like this group of friends I grew up with? Do I want to be less like them? Do I want to live in LA? Do I want to live in the country? Do I, you know, am I ever going to make a living? Do I love my parents? Do I hate my parents? Do I love my parents? Do I hate my parents? You know, all this distance all this dichotomous tension that comes with growing up in America today in your 30s in your 20s this book if you ask if these kids ask themselves these questions and they're not kids at all of course it's it's a map it's a road map and and so it's for those of us who kind of already figured it out and those of us who don't think we ever will and I know how counterintuitive the latter sounds, but, you know, it's kind of like a therapist in this book asking you the right questions. They don't give you the answer. They ask you the question and then say, tell me more about that. It's true. Right? Yeah. Rabbi Steve, this was amazing. Laughing, crying, emotions, <laughs> life, death. I mean, it's only noon in here when we're doing <laughs> It's like, you know, it's nine o'clock in LA. It's crazy. Anyway. That's how we roll. That's That's how how we roll. roll. Thank you so much. I always know talking to you will make me think and feel. And those are, I love, I just love that. And um, I was sitting here thinking, I was like, how am I going to get him to officiate over my funeral? And what, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Zimby. I, I, I hope, I hope you're younger than I am. I hope I go first. Honestly, I really do. But I want to say to you, not just on my own behalf, but all of us, all of us who are writing to try to make people's lives more beautiful, more meaningful in a world with so much clawing for people's attention. uh, You are, you are just an oasis of light and, and hope for all of us who publish. And I'm, I'm just really proud to know you. Oh, thank you. I really mean that. Thank you. That is so sweet. Thank you. That made my day. Thanks. Okay. Enjoy your publication day. Uh, Thank you, uh, Zibby. Thank (laughs) you so much. I really appreciate you. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card.
Get 50% off your first card at moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 